Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The horn. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic play football. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, was that uh, a regression to the mean, or was the tide looking ahead to next week? You know, I don't think the tide was looking ahead. I just think the tide is still, they really still haven't found the identity, um, which, as we know, is run the ball and set up the play action. And um, I had been screaming for that play action play to Calvin Ridley uh, for about 15 minutes before it got called. And uh, as Todd Blackledge said, I think that was what finally ignited the offense. Yeah, there's no question, right? That that definitely ignited the offense. You know, Coach uh, has talked about, uh, you know, the the especially starting off the the large number of passing plays was really a function of. You know, we were calling plays that had a run-pass option based on what the defense, uh, how they did line up. And so, you know, they line up in a certain way. We know it's Arkansas. They're going to play a smash-mouth uh, type of ball game. They're going to try, try to, to uh, win the trenches. And so, it, you know, in doing so, that, that opened up some passing lanes early. And then uh, we came back and did kind of set up the run. And um, you got to love the play action when it works, to per, uh, you know, to perfection like that. 80, 81 yards down the field, right? Yes, man, and and I was sitting there calling for it. I just I, I I felt like it was a good time to call it way earlier than it got called, and um, you know I I want to spend a few minutes talking about the you know the sequence of plays you know early in this game. Um, sure. It's great that we won the game, but you know Coach Saban talks about putting your foot on their throat. Um, we really didn't put the foot on their throat early. Uh, like we should have. Um, this should have never been a game uh, going into the third quarter like it was. Right. I mean, you know, you, you can give me your thoughts here real quick, but this should not have been a game where you were losing to Arkansas 7-3 to three going into halftime. And, and I think that's more about what our show needs to be about because I think that, you know, either Lane Kiffin wasn't calling the right plays Either Saban was overruling Kate Kiffin. We'll never know. Uh, it didn't look like uh, it didn't look like Jake was audible and very much. You know, if you were to point a finger, right? If you if you if you had a chance to think behind the scenes, why do you think um, some of the plays were called? You know, in the red zone early, like was called. Well, you know, I, I'm going to take a very different stance. I mean, I, I can tell you're kind of coming in wanting to kind of be critical of, of the offensive performance. And, man, I am completely the other side of the coin on this. Uh, I think the offense played, um, you know, I think the offense played very well. And this game really reminded me of the 2011 
uh, game against LSU in Tuscaloosa where we just had a couple of misfires, a couple of misfires. And, of course, missing field goals is never going to help you. But, you know, we went back and we watched that game. All of the miscue – I mean, we were driving the ball between the 20s against LSU, and it was just a couple of subtle miscues that prevented that game from being a blowout. And, of course, we rematched them later in the year for the championship, and we complete some of those drives, and we score those points where we didn't before. And this game against Arkansas – and. I'm not saying that Arkansas is LSU. I mean, we lost that game to LSU nine to what nine to six, and we won this game twenty-seven to fourteen. So, you know, there's your context. But my point is, it felt just like that game where we're moving the ball, everything is comfortable from an offensive standpoint. We're just miscuing a little bit, and if we clean up some of those miscues, I mean, you know, we had eighty plays, thirty-four minutes time of possessions, twenty-first downs, almost four hundred yards of offense. We just—it's a little—it's a little. It's a little tinkering it's a little tune-up and this game could have been 28 to nothing at half it easily could have been 28 to nothing it easily could have been 14 or 17 at half and I thought we had some poor clock management going into half and we missed a couple of field goals and then we had to settle for a field goal well that could have been four touchdowns and if you split the difference and 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 you know give me two touchdowns then you know 14 you know, 14 to seven or 14 to, to maybe nothing is going to look a lot better than, you know, seven to three. And I just think I just think it was a little bit of tweaks is what the offense needed. And so I don't know, you're going to come at this maybe a little differently, but that's that's sort of the line in the sand I'm drawing. All right. Well, I, I guess I want to speak to um, we, we were dominating the opponent and they were on their heels early. And so I guess I really want to touch on. Uh, probably for the most part, uh, starting with the second drive uh, for us in the game. You know, we sit there and finish the first quarter, and we've had the ball for 11 minutes. Yep, yep. And they've had the ball for three minutes and change. And so I guess on that particular drive, we start the drive, Derrick Henry rushes five yards, Derrick Henry the other end, right end, eight yards. You know, here's another play, five yards, Henry, five yards. Then Kenyon Drake, let's give you two for six yards. So now we're sitting here uh, first and 10 at the Arkansas 27, and we have had one, two, three, four, five, six plays out of seven where we've gained at least five yards running the ball. And we decide to get cute at the 21 on second and four, and we decide to pass it to Calvin Ridley for two yards for a poorly thrown pass. And then on third and two, okay, Jake Coker ends up running the ball, scrambling, but we, we drop back to pass again. He, he fortunately gets a first down. And then we have first and 10 at the 13. So we've, we've pretty much dominated them down the field, and we've started at our 32-yard line. And so now we have uh, now we have first and yeah fir first and ten at the thirteen of Arkansas, and we do three pass plays. So I guess that's what I want to I want to start with is we five out excuse me six out of seven plays we've run the ball down their throat left end right end right tackle left tackle up the middle everywhere, and we decide to get cute, and so on second and five at the eight yard line. We decide to do a play action pass and throw it to Calvin Ridley in the end zone. Well, David, if you go back and watch the tape, uh, he's set up in the pistol 
a play action to Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry could have walked in the end zone for a touchdown. Why? Because we had dominated them right down their throats running the ball for, you know, 70 yards. So then on third and five, what do we do at the eight? We decide to pass again, and he throws into double coverage to O.J. Howard. So my point is, if you're Alabama football and you're all about the run, and you've dominated a team and you've got them second and five at the eight. You can get a first and goal at the three. It should have been, we're going to run the ball three times on second, third, and fourth down if we have to, and we got three plays to get five yards. And I'm sorry, I want to know who called three pass play, two pass plays on second and five at the eight. Because had you just sat there and called three run plays up the middle, you would have set the tone you would have been up 10 to nothing and you would have had this team on their heels. Well, I think, you know, coach answered that question in his presser today. And, and he talked about, you know, those are plays, those are run pass options. And so, you know, the quarterback at the line of scrimmage based on what the, how the defense is lined up is, is, and it's, it's not an audible change play necessarily. It's you're going, you're going to the line with two plays run one of these and, you know, that's the run-pass option, right? And so based on how the defense is lined up and, you know, Arkansas is a team that's going to try to uh, to win the, win the trenches and, you know, they're on scholarship too. And, and you know, they play a smash-mouth running style of offense. And so, you know, they have some capability of stopping that on defense that, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say Coker always makes the best decisions with the ball, but, you know, apparently he saw something – that uh, that led him to believe that 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 you know passing was the better option than the running. Man, you got to give this to me. We've been watching football a long time. You've run the ball for six out of seven plays for over five yards a carry. You're second and five at the eight. You can get a first and goal at the three. No, that's fine. That's fine. I hear, I hear what you're oh, saying. I well, I hear what you're saying. That's fine, but I. I just I want to be careful how much I give you though. I mean, you sit there and you and you're trying to say someone's trying to be cute. Well, who's trying to be cute, right? Because it's a run pass option. And so let's not go and marry ourselves to one play that we can tell that's not going to work based on the way they're lined up. Let's have two plays. And so if you want to talk about, well, let's have a run run option, okay, then that's that's a conversation. But I don't I don't know if just, you know, kind of out of the gate insulting, you know somebody trying to be cute. I don't know if that's the right way of looking at it. You know, we looked at, you know, we've got two, two different opportunities to, to attack how, how they line up. And, you know, if we think that we're going to, if they think we're going to run, then sort of the opposite of that is to pass. And, you know, let's not discount also that we're inside the 20. And so it's easier to, to defense, um, you know, a smaller space. And so, you haven't shown you can stop it. I mean, we can agree to disagree. If you're a physical football team and you're second and five at the eight and you've run the ball down their throats that much, then you should say, I'm going to, I'm going to run the ball three times. I'm going to hand it to nice winder. I, I, I could tell Arkansas, we're going to hand it to nice winder three times straight behind Ryan Kelly's butt at the five. And I guarantee you we could get on three downs. We could get five yards if I even told them what we were doing because of what we had done up until that point on the drive. So I just think it was bad calls by Jake Coker and I didn't hear, I didn't hear his press conference. So that explains a lot to me. 
because as you said, Jake Coker makes he made several poor decisions uh, with the ball today or within the game. And so I will say, uh, because he called pass plays, if that's what occurred, uh, let's just quickly go to those two plays for a second, because this is important, too, and I want your thoughts. Sure. So on second and five at the eight, when he chose to throw the ball to Calvin Ridley, who was being grabbed on his jersey, when you go back and watch the tape, he only looks at Calvin Ridley. He doesn't look at his other two receivers. And so over on the left, you've got our Darius Stewart and somebody else. And our Darius Stewart is the outside guy. And they basically do a cross pattern. Our Darius Stewart comes over to the goal line. He is wide open, David. I mean, he's immediately wide open. If, if Jake Coker would have just looked to the left at all, he would have had like the easiest touchdown pass he's ever thrown because both DBs covered the other wide receiver. And so I was screaming at the television because I'm like, okay, I wish you would have run the ball. But there, you just looked at Calvin Ridley and you didn't even look to the left side of the field. And real quick for you comment, on third down, when he threw into double coverage to O.J. Howard to the right side, he did the same thing. This time he had two different receivers on the left. The inside guy was once again wide open because they had screwed it up on the play before, and he could have thrown another touchdown pass to the left. And right. both times he didn't even look over there. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, and, and so my thought on that is – is not going to be satisfying by any stretch of the imagination. But we're talking about we're talking about a guy who's making his fifth start uh, in in college football. And so, you know, what do you do? You give him a, a run pass option, and 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 there and there are two plays, and the pass probably has a go to receiver. And so it's not like we're going to run a, a play with you know three receivers, and you're going to check from one to two to three. It's probably it's it's a it's a run or a hot pass and you know again we're trying to limit you know we can we can talk about you know he's occasionally suspect with his decision making and so we're going to limit your decision making you're going to go up to the line of scrimmage you're going to read two things and make a run pass option and when it, if you select the pass option you're going to a hot receiver and so you're you're not going to drop back and look and survey the field and all that you're you're going to go to a hot and that I mean, like I, I hear said, what you're saying, man. I hear what you're saying, and this is why people listen to this show. I'm just saying, from as long as he's played quarterback um, in Mobile, Alabama, right? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, and, and you're probably correct that they said run or hot read. And so, if I'm the coaching staff, because I'm not, and I don't get paid what they get paid, when I go back and watch that film, I'm changing that for the next week's game. It will no longer be a pass run option to a hot read because I am coach Saban and I'll be screaming at the TV because the wide receiver was open at the goal line to the left twice in a row. And my quarterback didn't see it. Something will change for the next week's game based on what I saw there twice in a row at the goal line, which would have put us up 10 to nothing. So I guess what I'm saying is what's so frustrating to me. Yes. He's a gutsy kid. Yes. They overcame adversity. Yes, they dominated the game. All those things we'll talk about in a minute. But what? But why people listen to the show is that we're not the casual fans. And so I'm saying that we could have been up 10 to nothing at the start of the second quarter with 11 minutes time of possession, taking their will away from them, and the second string kids are playing in the fourth quarter. 
I'm, that's I'm, what frustrates me. No, no, no. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so I share the frustration. I just am not, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater bath water on this one. And I don't think that you are either. I've just read a dozen articles over the last, you know, two days where, you know, everyone's woe on, woe is me on the offense and they're just not paying attention. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of good in this offense. There's some tweaks that need to be made and maybe a tweak is, okay, we're, we're just going to be more physical here at, at the line of scrimmage in, in the red zone, in those types of situations. And if we're not going to score, we're at least going to bloody somebody's nose. And, you know, what the first yeah, we'll time. We'll, yeah, we'll turn the ball over with our phenomenal defense, and we'll give it to them at the two, right? And we'll right. say drive it 98 yards on us. <laughs> and Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you start the game with, you know, and I can't remember which, which is the right order. You know, we had a 13-play drive and then, and then a 14-play drive. And so, you know, those are your two opening possessions. Like you said, 11 minutes uh, in, in the first quarter, which is, you know, just about, just about all of it. There's, there's no reason in the world if you drive the field twice – uh, and you have that many plays, there's no reason in the world that you shouldn't have a touchdown. And so the fact that we, you know, what I mean, what's that, 27 plays? And yeah, we 13 plays on, yeah, 13 plays on the first one, 11 on the second, or 14 on the second one. And so to your point, 27 plays. And I guess you I mean, would have 14 points, right? I mean, yes, okay, yeah, well, at least 10, at least 10, right? Well, yeah, you split the difference and give it 10. But I'm just saying – you know, there was an opportunity there that that could have been, that could have been 14 points. And, well, you and, uh, you and I sat there in Dallas. You and I sat there in Dallas with, you know, drinks in our hand, thanks to the non-SEC venue. And we watched a Jay Coker in his first game at Alabama go into his second or third receiver in the progressions. So I guess what's frustrating is I saw a kid in his first start at Alabama with an ability to go to a second or third receiver. I think the kid's got a strong arm. I think the kid is gutsy. I love how he pulls the ball down. I love how he doesn't slide. I love how he overcomes adversity. He needs to stop throwing on his back foot. Yes. That, that should be a cardinal rule of quarterbacks. Every time he does it, he throws a pick. But – I saw a quarterback against Wisconsin throw to his third receiver in the progression, dragging across the middle for a 20-yard completion. So I know he can do it. And so then I see him at the goal line, you know, and, and that wasn't the only time in that, in that game where I saw him just go to his number one receiver. So I guess going back to your question, I want the head coach and the offensive coordinator, I want to know – if there was, I'm wondering how much of the game is a pass run option with the pass option being a go to your hot, because because when that happened on the second drive of the game and now we're only up three to nothing, I said I'm gonna start watching for it, <laughs> and, yeah. and I saw many more plays, David, where he went to his first receiver and he didn't even look away to somebody else. Well, I think when you have, I, you know, and it all all I've got is speculation, right? I think I think when you're between the twenties and you've had, you know, the opening game of the season, you, maybe you've had more time to prep. I don't know, but but you you take you take the the middle of the field and you and you are running a pass play, then you're then you you have the opportunity to kind of progress through the receivers. When you're when you're going up to the line of scrimmage and you're making the decision of, uh, you know, run or pass, then you're more likely. You're more likely with, and I, and I hate to call him young because he's a fifth-year senior, but 
uh, an inexperienced quarterback, you limit their you limit their opportunity to make decisions. And so I think if now when he goes up to you know the next series or next week, right between the twenties, we may see him receiver one, receiver two, go back to, to to three. Now look at one again. I mean, we may see that in the middle of the field. I think in the between. I think in the red zone, tougher to defend, to defend anyways. We know that Arkansas can get after a quarterback. That we're gonna hit, we're gonna try to hit something quick. And I mean, how many times last year did we try to hit Amari quick uh, on on those types of plays? And and so I think that we're trying to 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 kind of carve Ridley into a similar type of role. And so you know, go to him hot, let him make a move. I think that was I think that was the mindset. Like I said, next week. Between the twenties, we may see him cycle through some progressions. I just think on the goal line, I don't know. Maybe by the end of the season, we see that. But uh, you know, obviously, we didn't see it Saturday, and and it and it just it contributes. I don't know that it's the cause of the confusion or the the frustration, but it certainly contributes to the frustration. Oh sure, and so you know, let's go to the third. And and the reason I mentioned that man is because. It would have been all about the psyche. These are young kids, and and sure. you would have been, hey, we're we're dominating you ten to nothing. It wouldn't be offensive line. I know you're gas because you've been on the field for twenty seven plays, and we're only up three to nothing, right? And so so then we come back with the third drive, okay? And the very first play, Derrick Henry, I'm going to rush for eleven, or excuse me, twelve yards to the thirty four. Mm-hmm. The very next play, I'm going to rush for five yards. So once again. Okay, second and five at the 39-yard line. To your point, you got a kid in his fifth start. You got a kid who's fragile. You got a kid who's thrown interceptions. So on that pass, deep pass interception, I kind of want to know, okay, second and five. I know you can't run the ball every time, but but I told you how we dominated them on the second drive, right? We come back on the third drive. The first two plays, we rushed for 12 yards and five yards. So now we're second and five at the 39. I I just think we should have pounded them more. I, I just I guess I'm saying this game should have set up for a game like LSU had against Florida one year where they they went for it four times on fourth down and they just up and down the field. I guess I guess I wanted to see a, a Mark Ingram Wildcat South Carolina type of game because when I go look at the stats, it's like, oh my gosh, every rush is over five yards. I almost wanted to say, keep running the ball till you can't get five yards on a carry. Maybe that's what I'm saying, is is just keep the pass in your back pocket, because guess what? You've run the ball 10 times in a row for five yards each time, and they haven't stopped you yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. No, I, I I hear you, and there's a part of me that that, that does agree with that. There's there's a question, and, it's, and look, it's a rhetorical question, because, you know, we're not going to know. But, you know, we can't get in the heads of our own coaches, much less, much less, you know, other teams. Right. And so but there's there's a part of me that that just wonders, are we able to knock off the five yards per carry because we are at least also trying to throw the ball? I mean, if we're you know, they're going to they're going to crowd the box. They know how to stop a running attack. Um, Are we are we keep are we throwing enough? And again, rhetorical question. Are we throwing enough to keep them honest? That that's what allows us to keep getting the five yards. If we eschew the passing game, do we go down to two yards of carry immediately? And I don't know the answer to that question. I'm with you. I, I just if you go back and look at that first 13 uh, play drive, we we threw the ball 
uh, four times on the 14 play drive. We didn't throw the ball to the last three plays before the misfield goal. So going into that third series, we have, we, we've basically run the ball 25 times and we've thrown it about six. Yeah. So we've kind of shown our hand and um, I just, it, it just it just set up to me like a game like they just couldn't stop us and so i just wanted them to say uncle quicker and um you know maybe maybe that's my frustration give me yeah. give me your thoughts what what else jumps out at you on on offense there well you know i mean clearly calvin ridley is 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 going to be uh the go-to guy uh in the offense i think he he's definitely has emerged we're going to him more and more we're, we're, real, real quick, real quick. I'm sorry. Let me jump in because they showed that Calvin Ridley play action pass a couple times, right? Is it because he's a better route runner? Do you do you do you think he's a better route runner than the Ardarius? Not to pick on Ardarius, sure. okay? But Calvin Ridley's a young kid. He was the number one receiver coming out of high school, just like Julio was when Julio came out, okay? But Ardarius was a very well-respected four-star yeah. receiver. Is Calvin just – is he just the best route runner on the team? Because because the, the move he made on the play against sure. a freshman, by the way, which was hilarious, um, was a good move. Could Ardarius has ran some go routes already. Could Ardarius – or any, could anybody else on our roster right now had run – could anybody else run the route that he did to be so wide open is my question. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I want to say yes. Um, I mean, it was a, it was, it was a really nice move he put on the guy, and then was able to accelerate uh, and and create some separation. And I mean, he made it look so easy that you want to say, yeah, other guys could do that. You know, Drake, I, I imagine could could do something like that. But uh, could Ardarius? I mean, yeah, he probably could. What, what I don't want to pick on Ardarius, just anybody, because my question is is the way he ran that route. I mean, you, you and I both know some guys are just good route runners, right? And I'm just wondering, is he maybe just a really, really good route runner? <laughs> no, I think so, right? Because, you know, and, and and look, and you and I feel differently about Kiffin, but I think at the end of the day, we both have to agree that, at least in some respects, he's a pretty good coach. And he's and he's played uh, – he, he has seen some some very good receivers and, and very talented players, you know, at his time at USC and his time at, at Alabama – and so when he comes in and in fall camp and just has glowing commentary on Calvin Ridley, um, I mean, you have to put a little stock in, you know, put some stock in that, right? And so, uh, you know, he's been around all the other guys, and he hasn't talked about all America and Blitnikoff level talent, uh, but uh, he sure as hell made that comment about uh, about Calvin. And so you have to think, you know what? Maybe there is a little extra it factor. Uh, on on this kid and uh and maybe that's what we're starting to see well i mean i'm sure that's the case but um it was i mean it was a great call um obviously i just you know when i saw it i was like okay you know we tried some we've tried some deep passes right we we've we we definitely have have not completed as you know nearly we haven't completed a high percentage of them yet and so uh, I was just kind of curious, you know, your thoughts on that. Um, what else? What else jumped out at you on uh, on the offensive side of the ball? Um, I want to quickly get your take on uh, some of the blocking schemes that we did on on some of the runs. Um, I think when 
I also think because we were dominating the run so much, I would have liked to have seen uh, Brandon Green was on the starting lineup as a second tight end. Yep. But I don't think him and Nice Wander was in the game as much as I would have liked, uh, especially down there in the red zone when I thought we should have run the ball more. I, I wish we'd have just come in a heavy package and just said, we're going to blow you away. But um, when we tried to pull Alphonse Taylor, um, he really had some – can I say this? Alphonse Taylor did a better job at right guard when he would – pull to the right and go around uh, and go around uh, Dominic Jackson and do a short pull. Mm-hmm. But when we tried to pull him to the left, we really didn't have success um, versus Pierce Bacher. The only two, the only two uh, players I saw pull in the game was Taylor and Pierce Bacher. And I know Saban has talked about Pierce Bacher after the game. Um, I was really impressed with him on, on pulling. I think he is our kind of like we said with Barrett Jones when Barrett Jones could even pull at the center position. Um, Pierce Bacher seems by far our our best pulling lineman on the on the team, or excuse me, on the starting five. Yeah, you know, I I agree with that, and and uh, you know, it's it's something that that a lot of fans don't think about, but there there are differences in playing. And, you know, I guess some differences are obvious, but then, you know, you play on the left side, you play on the right side. Some players are just, you know, right-handed and left-handed, right? And so some players are, you know, ambidextrous and they and, and they play ambidextrous. Some players are going to be better to their right and better to their left. And, you know, to your point, you know, last year, you know, Shank saw some time at left guard and, uh, and it kind of fell out of the rotation. This season he's at right guard. You know, your point is that looks like he looks cleaner pulling to the right um, than the left. Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder if, I mean, literally and figuratively, if he's just a better right-handed player. Well, Pierce Bacher, uh, Pierce Bacher was asked to do both in the game, and for a new starter, he just looked really, really good pulling. And um, you know, I, I think we're going to see more traps and stuff incorporated in the game because he just. The go-to play on the run, I think a play that that we're going to see more and more until teams stop it, is where they took Alphonse Taylor and Dominic Jackson on the right, and they just said, we want you to crash down inside, and we're going to sweep Pierce Bacher around the right tackle, and we're going to let him clean up the mess. And a couple times on the slow-mo, he came around, and he just cleanly just took his time, almost like a running back who is patient. He just patiently waited for Alphonse and Dominic to do their job. And then a couple times he didn't, he didn't just chip one guy, but he even got to a second guy on the higher level. And it was awesome that sometimes he even took two players on one plate. Yeah. I think he's going to be, he's going to be a little more mobile. He's a guy that has spent a little bit of time at, uh, at left, at left tackle. And so, you know, you know, in sort of the hierarchy of, of your offensive line positions, he's going to be one of your more athletic guys. And so that makes him uh, a real versatile player. He probably could play uh, any of the five positions. And so you don't always have guys that, that can do that. Uh, I think he probably could. Uh, he's going to be a little more athletic, a little more mobile. And so getting him out, um, you know, in space pulling, uh, 
you know, I think he has a lot of talent in that regard. And so, yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, your assignment is chip and, and scrape and, and, and get to the second level. And some guys, all they can do is get, you know, get to the chip uh, and, and they kind of don't do the scrape and, and second level and Pierce Barker, uh, Pierce Backer um, is, uh, is, is a player that seems that he can do both. Well, hey, uh, tell me, tell me what else, what else jumps out at you on offense before I touch on another item. Yeah, I've got you know just just kind of one more, and and uh, Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, coach was asked about him last week, and and said you know Kenyon's a player that that needs to take what the defense gives. He needs to run the play that's called instead of trying to you know back it out and and you know try to score a home run every time. And I just saw. And we've seen years past where you know that would kind of go in one ear, one ear and out the other with with uh, a guy like Drake and and uh, you know what I saw Saturday is him taking that message to heart, sticking with a play. If nothing was there, you could almost see him sort of resign himself to lower his shoulder and plow in, and he would pick up three, four, five yards. And so you know that that next you know extra burst instead of instead of pulling out and coming back around and maybe losing a yard, uh, he was able to pick up you know, two, three, four yards. And, and uh, I still, I'm still, you know, bullish on Drake. I, you know, he's going to bust out on somebody and have a pretty big day. Yeah, he, he did, he did, um, he did seem to have a couple shifty runs where I think he was able to, to make something out of nothing um, that Derrick Henry would not have been able to do. Uh, you know, he just brings a different package to the table. I, I will tell you that, you know, and, and I don't want to underscore what, what Derrick Henry did with his 27 carries. I, I think it's clearly obvious that Derrick Henry is one of those backs because of just how he runs that, you know, every player would like the rock so many times. But I think Derrick Henry has shown consistently now two weeks in a row that he needs 20-plus carries to just really put together the type of game that you're going to get out of Derrick Henry. Maybe the, maybe the big beast who, you know, flips a thousand pound tire at will in the summer just needs to just have the middle linebacker have to tackle him 13 times for Arkansas before he just says uncle. I mean, my point is he's such a big boy, you know, it's like a battering ram. Maybe he just needs to have the ball 20, 25 carries a game. Um, And so, each carry is going to come easier, right? Because he's just wearing the crap out of the defense. Uh, I, I agree with you. You know, you take a, a big back like that, that, uh, you know, they should get better as the game goes on. He's got to have some want to uh, in terms of running physical. And and I saw more of that on Saturday, uh, you know, coming off the Georgia game. I, th- I think that's good. And so he's had sort of two physical outings in a row. And, you know, is it – and so for my money, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it physical because he has more carries? Is he getting more carries because he's playing physical? I mean, I don't know. I'm seeing physicality, you know, on carries, you know, one through eight, uh, just as I am on, you know, 21 through 26, right? And so I, th- I think that uh, – I think he's playing with a little more want to and running behind his pads, being his only blocker, all the cliches that, that you know, are cliches for a reason, right? I think we're seeing that. And uh, that's that I think is him uh, contributing to him getting more carries. Well, I, I want to think it's the former. I, I want to think it's just because, um, and I agree with your want to comment, but I also just want to think that, you know, he's a big man. You just got to feed the man. 
uh, you know, several times. And I think it, I, I think he's the kind of back that if you get him out there 10 or 12 carries, it's just not going to have the same kind of result. I also think, to be fair to Kenyon Drake, I want to see Kenyon Drake getting the ball 10 carries. Sure. I don't think seven carries gets it done for him either. Um, with a, a boy with his talent, um, I, I, I think that I think you've got to get more carries his way as well. Um, I found it interesting, you know, looking at the the distribution for Kenyon Drake. We threw Kenyon Drake on a first and ten at the forty. Uh, we threw him on first and fifteen, in which he got eighteen yards, which was nice. Um, we did a second down, yeah, so three, four, five. Five times we threw Kenyon Drake's way. So so five times from a pass distribution, we, we tried to get the ball to Kenyon and he was able, you know, he was able to to uh, he was able to catch all five of those. So he didn't miss any passes and he got 37 yards on that. But I just don't think seven carries is enough to really get him into the ball game. He's such a versatile player. Um, you know, I, I think he's got to get a few more carries. Yeah, and I think he will. I think we'll settle into the right role uh, for uh, for Kenyon. Anything else on offense, or uh, you want to talk uh, mini game balls? You know, very quickly, because I, I want your take on your man, O.J. Howard. Um, I, I stayed up entirely too late because I thought California was going to upset the undeserving of a number five ranking Utah Utes. And so I, I watched California throw – uh, to their tight end, a fifth-year senior, Steven Anderson. And I had to go look up Steven because he looked like a beast as he drugged people down the field. Well, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. But literally, he was a mismatch for the safety who was bigger than uh, bigger than, um, uh, bigger than uh, any safeties we have. And he, he proceeded – uh, to line up at the tight end position, and he decided to just do a go route and just go down the hash, and the quarterback threw him the ball, and the guy tackling him was a red shirt senior, Tevin Carter, 6'1", 215, because I just looked him up, so not a small kid. And, and the kid just couldn't, you know, he carried him five yards after the kid had already gained like 15 yards. My point is, he was the best option that California had and Utah couldn't stop him. And he's 230 pounds. And I'm sitting here looking and I'm saying, OJ Howard had three receptions for 17 yards. And when you go back and look at the 24 passes that Jake Coker completed, only five of them did, did he even attempt to go to OJ. Uh, one was in double coverage. So OJ Howard completed three, caught three of those five passes. But David, they were in the flats. They were out wide by the by the sideline, right? Why aren't we lining this kid up at the at the you know right next to the tackle, and just sending him on a you know just sending him on a on a little short slant right across the middle, just like California did? I mean, I'm watching this California tight end just tear up Utah inside. He he got like a hundred yards rush, a hundred yards receptions on nine passes, and I'm like, we had OJ Howard. We're not using O.J. Howard the way we should, a quarterback in his fifth start. So I just wanted you to talk to me for that for a second, because O.J. Howard is just not being utilized like O.J. Howard should be utilized. Well, yeah, I'll give you that. And, you know, I asked the question last week, is, is O.J. Howard just kind of be lost to history? Uh, you know, a player that, 
you know, perpetually was sort of underutilized. And, you know, I, and I think that's a fair question. And, and as much as I hate to ask it, you know, I, I can't, I can't not ask it. You know, I think it's, you know, the golf kid at, at Cal is, I mean, he's a damn good quarterback. And so some of the things that they can ask him to do, uh, it's not fair that we can ask Coker to do. And so, you know, I, you know, I don't want to go too I far. Could, you and I could line up at quarterback and throw the ball right in front of us over the center who is six foot six, 245 pounds. You and I could do that. For, you and I could throw the ball without yeah, spiral for 10 yards to the kid. Yeah, I know that sounds so easy, but, uh, you know, throwing over the middle of a defense and having the confidence to do that and lay the ball in there just right. You know, that's not as easy as it sounds. And so, I mean, you know, the, your bottom line point is is fair. I mean, could we use OJ better and more? And is is he – does he have an outsized talent relative to how we're using him? Yeah. Yeah, he really does. And it's something that we kind of kidded about – when was it last year? You know, do we have too many talented players? And, you know, of course you can never have too many talented players. But you start trying to spread the ball and give everyone the amount of touches – that you think that they should have. I mean, you know, you've given 30 touches to our two running backs. And so, you know, you start distributing the ball a little bit and, you know, before you know it, we're going to need 120, you know, plays, you know, and all of them, you know, working to perfection for, you know, for everyone to kind of get the the right distribution. So, you know, somewhere, somewhere in there is a balance and somewhere in there is an opportunity for OJ to get more plays. I do agree with that. All right. I just after seeing that late night game and seeing how they use the kid who's, you know, three foot three inches shorter than than our man, you know, after seeing what he did in that LSU game and showing the physicality and the elusiveness and the speed, you know, I, I just it just it, it continues to dumbfound me. Well, no, hey, and, and you know, and I've read somewhere that uh um you know that the NFL scouts are are considering, you know, Howard may have a he may have a first round grade. And you think about, gosh, you know, has he really performed at, at a first round grade level on, you know, for us? And 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 so maybe he hasn't. He's he's his blocking has significantly improved, and he's actually, you know, by NFL scouts, he's rated pretty pretty well as a blocker. And his athletic, you know, un, untapped athletic potential is is just off the charts. And so, you know, you take a kid like OJ in in the combine, and he's gonna he's gonna blow everyone away. And so. He could very easily be viewed as a uh, a successful pass catching tight end at the next level, and you know we, we very easily and we talk about guys this way sometimes. He could very easily be the kind of guy that goes to the NFL and just blows up, and we just leave and we just scratch our heads like, man, that he was on our team. <laughs> this guy, I, I got to tell you, man, I I just I. That's where I'm putting my chips right now. Yeah. I, 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 I'm putting my chips that other tight ends are going to stay the heck away from Alabama because we don't know how to use the tight ends. That's just – I'm throwing that out there. That's just that's just where I'm putting my chips right this second. Well, We haven't had a tight end with his size and his ability to play as a big wide receiver in the slot before him, really, for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I just I, – I don't think he's – there. there – there's some reason why he's not being utilized, and that game was set up nicely for it. You're running the ball down their throats. You play action. You drop it over to the tight end, and you just say run between the two hashes and make the two safeties hogtie you and didn't see it. Well, I think part of the frustration is is that we do know how to use tight ends. I mean, we've had a lot of 
you know, successful tight ends and they have not been this talented, but their contribution, I mean, you know, Vogler is an example. Colin Peak is an example. I mean, there's, there's, you know, Preston Dial, right? I mean, you know, Brad Smelly. I mean, all of these guys made week in week out contributions to the team. None of them was the best receiver. None of them, you know, really had a legit shot athletically to, to compete at the next level, but they, they all, contributed to the game plan and so it's like you're too pretty (laughs) you know it's it's like we don't know what to do with you because you're a different class of tight end and it's it's like let's not overthink the room guys let's do the same stuff with him as we did with the others uh he'll just do it a little better than the brian boglers of the world right well you know what let's do the same shit let's do the exact same stuff and then guess what? Let his athleticism do the Take separation. Over. Yes. We don't have to do the separation with the play call. Let's let's run the same stuff and let his athleticism separate himself. That's that's the frustrating part. I mean, not, I mean, no, I'm with you. I mean, how long, how many years have we talked about Michael Williams? Run the same stinking stuff with with uh OJ that we ran with Michael Williams. I mean, how many touchdowns did he catch in his career, right? I mean, a lot. Well, he had a lot more opportunities than it seems like OJ's getting. Correct. And and so let's just run the same stuff with him. No, that's fair. Well, hey, my game ball won't take very long. Uh, I talked about him earlier, but I'm giving it to to my boy Ross at left guard. Um, just under the radar guy. He's a big, ugly uh, new starter at a key position. And uh, you know, we we talked about it earlier. I, I think this kid is uh, if he stays healthy, um, this kid is going to continue to blossom uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, – I think that's a good selection. I like the way he played, uh, and, and he has, you know, a significant amount of upside for us. Um, I'm, I'm going to go – and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the role of Tommy, and I'm, I'm going to break the, uh, the mini game ball. But I'm going to go with uh, Jacob Coker, the running back. Um, he – you know, and I know we ran a couple um, – you know, opportunities for, for him to run the ball. He scrambled a couple times. He seems to make good decisions running the ball. I wish he made – I mean, I wish he made yeah. decisions passing as well as he does running because he always seems to – and he's not fleet of foot. No one's going to, you know, think he's Michael Vick or anything like that. I'm not – But he plants his foot the right way and takes the right hole. He does. He does. And in a, in a lot of regards, it reminds me a little bit of A.J. McCarron. You know, McCarron wasn't going to light anybody up running the ball. But when he got out, he knew when to pick his spots. And Jacob, I think, is a little more willing uh, than than maybe McCarron was. He's a little thicker, a little bigger guy. But um, he makes good decisions running the ball. And I I should have looked up his numbers, but uh, you know he had a, he had you know a handful of runs and always seemed to 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 be moving the ball, move the chains with his feet a couple times. Uh, I just was really impressed with what he was doing with his legs. And so that is. You know, I want to be careful. I'm not overselling that. That's a dynamic that defenses need to pre- prepare for. I'm not going to go that far, but but uh, you know, he has the he has the ability to get himself get himself out of trouble and to help move the chains. I think I think there's a tool there that uh, that could serve the tide well. Well, he is uh, he is six five two thirty, and and your point cannot be underscored because. He had seven carries for 36 yards. Yeah, there you go. So it's not like it was 16 yards, right? 
he had 40 yards with one carry going 15 yards. And so, um, and I, and I can't remember what his 40 time was. Um, and so I was trying to look it up real quick. Uh, but it's actually a lot faster than, than you would have thought that you and I would have thought. And, um, uh, at six five two thirty, uh, I think his wheels are pretty decent. And so when you put a when you when you put a two hundred and thirty pound quarterback that's six foot five who can run a little bit, um, I, I think that plays a role there. Yeah. Well, he flipped the field. Uh, what did you see on defense? You know, the first thing I have to jump out on defense is 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 something else that I have been uh, screaming for all year. We we haven't seen it. Um, I don't know why, uh, but I'm glad we finally did. We we got to see uh, we got to see Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans. I'm sorry, I had to go there before you could take it. So Rashawn Evans and Tim Williams were on the field together, and and it was on third down. You didn't see Tim on first down. You didn't see Tim on second down. You saw them together on third down. And what's key about this, David, real quick, if you'll allow me to indulge for a second, is we talked about this in the preseason. And we said, who is our get you off the field on third down linebackers? And we talked about who we thought it was. And if you recall, one of the names I gave you is maybe it's Rashawn Evans. Well, what I thought was so key here is Later in the game, they lined him up with his hand in the dirt. But what I really, really liked is how they showed him early in the game. Early in the game, they had him lined up like a C.J. Mosley right behind the big uglies, standing up two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And Tim Williams was in his usual place in the dirt on the left side over here. But Rashawn Evans got to just go where he wanted to go. And I thought that was awesome with it, with his speed and his tenacity, just kind of putting him in the middle um, next to your boy Harrison. Um, that's something else I want to mention before you take it. Having 32 and 15 on the field. Yeah. Having Tim Williams. Okay. I'll say this is a different way. Coaches make a note. You need to have 15, 32 and 56 on the field when it's third and five or greater for the rest of the season. Yeah, I really, really like what we saw out of Tim Williams. I know that, you know, the the players on the team have really, really talked highly of him. And, uh, you know, he kind of needs to get it together. And, and he, appears, he appears to be pulling it together. I mean, he saw action in the first, you know, in the first quarter. He, he saw action early. And he, he reminds me of, uh, you know, we saw it last week against Georgia. We saw it against Arkansas here where, I mean, he can just – he can go to town on the left tackle and he can, he can make that left tackle have a, have a bad day. And it reminded me a little bit of the striker kid for Oklahoma when we played them a couple of years ago that uh, he would just line up outside the tackle and you could just tell that uh, this is not going to go well. And it, and I think if we did that enough times in a game that we could really get into the head of some left tackles. Uh, I, I really, I really believe that, and I think, I think there's value in doing that, and doing that early, and doing that often, because that can just really, you know, you think of left tackles, you know, the best, 
linemen and maybe the center is the second best and you know you you start messing with their mind early i i like i like the opportunities that, that opens up and so i think we're going to see more and more tim williams well what was so and and you can't sell my boy rashawn evans short we got to come back to him in a second we'll but tim williams but tim williams is listed third on the depth chart at the jack linebacker position for all the listeners right and so when you look at tim williams he is 6'4", 230 pounds. Well, first string is Denzel Duvall at 6'3", excuse me, 6'2", 252 pounds. We know that Denzel Duvall lines up on the line of scrimmage a lot as the fourth guy with his hand in the dirt, right? Or up in the air, but he's anchoring one of those lines. He's anchoring that left side. And so what's so interesting to me is we've got a lot of good pass rushers, but they're putting Tim Williams in a in a situation where he can be successful because the boy is not going to hold the left tackle up with one hand and grab the running back with the other. He's not going to hold the point of attack. He's 230 pounds. No, no. And so is Rashawn Evans. Rashawn Evans is not the, is not going to be that guy either. Rashawn's Rashawn Evans is 225 pounds. So what I like is, is we're putting, you and I talked about this at the end of the year. Last year against Auburn, it drove me crazy. Not until the end of the game. Our buddy Eric sitting next to a season ticket holder. Him and I talked about this in the Auburn game. Not until the very end of the game in the fourth quarter did we bring Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans on each end with their hand in the dirt. And as soon as we did it, that mobile quarterback got sacked that mobile quarterback had nowhere to go with those two kids so no offense to all of our great players that we have but we sat there in the auburn game last year and said why have we not seen this sooner and i don't know why we haven't seen it in the wisconsin game etc and i don't know why rashawn evans is getting more playing time now than he was but the coaches should have seen last year at the end of the season that on third and long, if you put those two kids on the outside, it's going to cause huge fits because they are Siamese twins. They are the same player, one on the left and one on the right, and they bring the same thing to the table. Yeah, I, I think I think Rashawn has a little more in terms of what he can do, not you know just in sort of standard play, not rushing. But, no, I'm um, just saying pass rushing. I'm yeah, just saying keep the quarterback in the pocket and don't let the quarterback scramble and that kind of stuff. Yeah, pass rushing, uh, I, I agree. And and you know, I think you know, not to not to preview the AM too early, but uh I think this next week stands up uh is a pretty good opportunity for us to see both of those guys um, you know, getting after the quarterback and and I think us trying to apply some pretty steady pressure all day long. I expect to see that. And Ronnie Harrison continues to be brought in on third downs yep. and he gets to, and they sit him down in the box in the box, right? And they let him kind of cover the middle. And so what was so huge in this game is you had Tim Williams with his hand in the dirt. This speaks to your point about what Rashawn Evans' skill set is, right? Because Tim Williams was had his hand in the dirt. You go do what you do. You go hunt. Rashawn Evans got to stand on his, you know, got to stand up right behind the beast and him and Ronnie Harrison stood there next to the big uglies. 
and they were able to improvise a little bit. It was kind of like watching arena football a little bit as far as how what those two guys were doing as far as how they were lined up. They weren't five yards off the line. They were right behind the line of scrimmage. And Ronnie Harrison really wasn't coming after the quarterback. But I think we have found the two guys in the middle because what was so great is Reggie, Reggie Raglan, who, Reggie, we hadn't forgot about you because you, were, you're, you played like a warrior. It was great seeing Reggie Raglan get to come off the field every third down and long. It was great saying, we don't need you, Biggin. Come on. We don't need you. Come to the sideline. We yeah. got some other guys. Yeah, it, it was good for the right reasons, right? And, and uh, you know, we got a, a longtime listener. Uh, you know, I was working out earlier today, and, and, and you know, the thought kind of hit me last week, and it, and it just didn't feel right. Thought hit me today, and uh, right about that time, I got a message from a longtime listener saying, uh, "If you guys haven't done it yet, you've got you've got to start doing it." I think I think uh, Tommy, we'll just do an on here uh, vote between you and me, but uh, I think I think it's time to break out the Raglan report. What do you think, man? He, uh, I don't know, man. That's a that's a high standard to 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 give that name out. We 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 might have to. Uh, uh, I mean. He's a good player and all now, but we we've only put the we only put someone's last name in front of the word report now one time before. So I, I don't know about that, but uh, he 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 definitely uh, he he definitely played he, he definitely played well. Um, you know, it, it looks I'm I'm hoping it was just a shoulder stinger. It sounds like you've you've looked into a few more things uh, today. Uh, was it just a shoulder stinger that that he got early in the game? Yeah, it it was, and so uh, it wasn't. You know, a, it wasn't. A, his shoulder didn't pop out or anything. No, no, it was. It was just a stinger, and uh, saw the interview that uh, that he did. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna implore you to check that out. I think you will like him. Uh, not that to say that you don't, but I think that uh, I, just the the seriousness that uh, that he portrays in his interview. I mean, it's it's like he is a central casting middle linebacker. Workman-like, right? Just, yeah. just got his got his lunch pail. And so, and and it, but he's he's serious and he's to the point. And they asked him about, uh, you know, they asked him about his shoulder, and he said, you know, he said it's just a stinger. Uh, you know, I worked it out. I came back in. I wasn't not going to play for my team. And uh, it's like, ah, oh, that is just so refreshing to hear to hear a player to say that. And he played so well. He was physical all over the field. He did actually. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Arkansas did, and, and they made me nervous when I first saw it, but they came out early in the game and split out their tight ends. And uh, I think it was their first play from scrimmage. They split out their tight ends, and then all of a sudden, Raglan and Dylan Lee are are out in space. And I'm like, man, whoa, they're reading somebody's mail on that because if they if they come out and do that all day long, not only are they going to clear up the middle, but they're going to create some mismatches with those linebackers. And fortunately, they did not they did not come back to that often. But Raglan was tight in coverage. Uh, the times that he had to, I thought that was good, making plays all over the field. And then, and, I mean, the sack and the batted ball, but just what really just stands out to me, and it's, it's, it's when the little things start to take root. And, and I've got an article that's going to post on Bama Hammer that, that I kind of elaborate on this. But when the little things that a team does start to take root, that's when you know you've got good coaching and you've got a team that potentially can really do something. And when Ragland not only was tackling the quarterback, but had the, had the wherewithal to, you know, hey, the emphasis is on turnovers. 
and to just bat that ball out, and it goes out of bounds short of the first down. And so he bats that ball out mid-tackle, and it's the ball that doesn't go across the first uh, first down line. Man, those are the types of things that earn you the report after your name. Well, I, I, I'm glad to hear it was a stinger because um, I, I couldn't tell whether he had put a brace on uh, – on the sideline under, under that little tent thing that the, you know, gave the sideline reporter something to spend her time on. Um, I, I couldn't tell if, if the, uh, if the, if the shoulder, uh, if the shoulder brace was on before or not, cause it looks like he had one on the other side as well. Um, but I like that he came back in and, um, and you I couldn't like tell it in his play. I mean, he was laying licks. He did not seem tentative or anything. So, I mean, well, he once, once again, there was one particular tackle where, you know, he just brought that physicality that, you know, I just miss from defenses because not enough guys tackle like they're supposed to. And, you know, it sends a message and maybe it sends a message because not enough people in the back seven of defenses tackle the way they're supposed to anymore. And when you when you knock somebody on their butt, it sends a message. And, yeah. and people listen, and it wakes them up. Yep. And 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 he, he is a message. He is nothing if not a message deliverer. And uh, it's it's fun to watch him play. Hey, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump all over Eddie Jackson. Um, man, dude is making plays all over the field. It seemed like there was one. There, it seemed like there was one sequence where back to back, he he made a play uh, deep in the secondary. Is the corner coming over, or is the safety coming over? And on the very next play. He was crashing the box, helping make the tackle, uh, you know, at the at the line of scrimmage. And you think, man, that is two plays back to back where he is doing two uniquely different things, and damn, he's doing them well. Uh, Eddie Jackson, we've talked about other other guys, you know, Nick Perry a little bit last year, getting comfortable in the role and just he's playing with a level of comfort. Eddie Jackson is not only playing with a level of comfort; he is producing. Uh, he's not just get, he's not just filling a slot. Uh, and not being a minus to the team, but he is being a plus to the team. And uh, this this defense is really coming into form, and it has a lot to do with getting some pass rushers and getting the secondary to gel. And uh, Eddie Jackson is all about that. No, he he definitely you know he's definitely playing well. Um, when you go back and look at the stat stat sheet, and you see he had one solo and two assists you kind of scratch your head because for him to be all over the field, I, I mean, you know, wouldn't you have guessed he would have had more than one solo to assist on the day? Yeah. You know, it seems like he's all over the place. Yeah. Right. He, and he was all over the, all over the place. Um, you know, what did you equate him to like a, like a Kevin Jackson, you know, when we'll show. Yeah, our I mean, but, yeah. And, I mean, I just, I'm just surprised. I, I'm surprised by the stat line of just three tackles based on what it seems like they're letting him they're letting him move around all over the all over the the defense and so the stat line just surprised me a little bit. Yeah, we well, don't forget the pick. He had a big pick and uh um but uh yeah, I would have expected maybe more tackles the the way that you know we saw him flashing but you know definitely getting the pick, definitely making plays all over the field. Um I like what he's doing for us. No, no, I, I do too. I just was curious about that because when you go back and look at the stat line, his three tackles 
came in the second quarter. And so looking back at the stat line, he was not credited with a tackle after the second quarter. I will say on his interception real quick, um, had he not jumped in to help out Humphrey, um, it would have been a big game. Uh, Humphrey was beat. No offense to Humphrey. Humphrey was clearly beat on the play. Uh, it would have been a big game had Eddie Jackson not jumped in and intercepted the ball. And I think that speaks to what we talked about in the preseason about you got a cornerback with some physicality who uh, is very comfortable playing back there because he's a cornerback. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, anything else on – and, I mean, there's a lot of things on defense. The defense was just outstanding all day long. Anything on, on defense that start, uh, stood out to you, or do you want to go to many game balls? Man, there, there there's really so many things that, that we could still talk about. Uh, there's a couple things I want to mention real quick. Sure. Dylan Lee Dylan Lee got to play a lot more Yep. Uh, because Arkansas's base formation. Yep. And so uh, Dylan Lee was on the field a lot. I found it interesting when Reggie Ragland came out with that shoulder stinger that um, who they brought in next to Reuben Foster was Dylan Lee. And so um, I, I just was surprised that that we didn't see Sean Dion Hamilton on those plays in, uh, in Reggie's uh, absence. Uh, Dylan Lee was moved over from the Sam linebacker to the mic. And so I thought that was interesting that, that Dylan's number was called. I know he's been on some two deeps at middle linebacker, um, but I'm just surprised that, that he's the guy who got his number called, which I think might speak a little bit to the coach's comfort level with him on the field, even more than Sean Dion Hamilton. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it could have something to do with, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to flare out some of their tight end, you know, and again, they didn't do it all day, but they showed it early uh, where they might flare out some tight ends. And so all things being equal, I might like Dylan Lee in coverage better than Sean Dion Hamilton. And I say that not knowing because we've not seen, seen Hamilton in, in coverage much, but uh, you know, that could be, that could have been a factor. I don't know, but uh, you know, and, and I've kind of been bullish on, on Dylan, for a while. So, you know, I was kind of pleased to see that. I think Hamilton's going to be a great player too. So, um, you know, no, that's fair. Just for just, money, just, you can't just go notice that. No, I just noticed that. I just thought that was interesting. Um, other guy that, that I thought played well was Darren Payne. Um, I think yeah. the freshman continues to get comfortable. I want to give Darren Lake a little credit. Uh, Darren Lake uh, got some good play in this game. And uh, you know, yeah, he, he, he started, uh, which was nice to see, and um, you know he had some he had some good opportunities in the ball game, so I, I thought that was nice. Um, and uh, so I want to give him a little props because he's been a he's been a patient guy at Alabama, and I and I you know just want to just want to comment uh, just want to comment on 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 him contributing to the team, and then I just want to you know you talked about the the Reggie Ragland report, man. Well. If you're going to try to throw that out, you know, without, you know, trying to take me off guard here, we <laughs> might have to come out with the, with the Reed watch. Um, because Jaron Reed, you know, continues to make some physical plays at the point of attack, which are just like mind numbing. 
and it and it and it's no offense to to Ashawn Robinson, but a couple I think it was against Georgia. Um, I saw Jaron Reed take the offensive lineman like a like you do with a blocking dummy on the practice field, and he held him up with his right arm, and he waited for the running back, and he pulled him down with his left arm. Well, this time there was a play where the center and the right guard tried to move him out of the way. They were not able to move him off the line of scrimmage. He did a spin move to get around them and got in on the tackle. And I was like, 600 pounds can't move him off the nose. It was just awesome. Yeah, you know, Jan Reed's a special player. There's no doubt about it, and uh, that's that's definitely a good call out. Some of the some of that some of the play in the trenches in the trenches is, is hard to watch, but are, are are hard to catch the the detail. But Jaron Lee, he's he's a player. It, it it's just a different type of physicality. Yep. Than I think we've had with any other player at his position inside. The, you know, we we spent. You know, when Cody left, we spent the next couple of years, you know, saying we need a Cody type player. Is Jaron Reed the Cody type player we've been missing? But way more fit, way, but way more, um, way more athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. way more athletic. Yeah, I mean, can, I mean yeah. that remains to be seen. But yes, I will tell you that Jaron Reed might be one of the biggest additions to this football team on defense. Like. Getting him last year might be the biggest thing that they did on defense. And I'll put it this way. When they talk about the defensive line right now and how physical they are and how they can bring them all in and bring all these bodies in and, and how great they all are, that's true. Sure. No offense to Ashawn Robinson. But I think right now the most valuable player on the defensive line is Jaron Reed. Yeah. He might be the most valuable player on the defensive side of the ball right now. And, and you and I have talked about the middle of that defense, right? And, and magazines like to talk about the three levels. Well, guess what? If I had to line you up right now, I got Jaron Reed, Reggie Ragland, and Eddie Jackson. Yes. And guess what? The three of you in the middle, the sky's the limit, baby. Sky's the limit. Yep. Damn. I'm excited now. <laughs> give, me a, uh, give me your mini game ball. Man, I am going. I, and so I soft played them earlier because I didn't want to give away my – my good stuff, but uh, I'm giving my game ball to my mini game ball to Rashawn Evans, and he he earned. Uh, he, he so there were in in the fourth quarter there was a third and thirteen, and uh, I can't remember how much time was you know probably six seven minutes left on the clock, and it was it was a possession you know Arkansas was down you know whatever it is the the two scores, and it it was the possession that said look if we're gonna do this we've got to do it now. And so that was that was sort of the load that they had uh, on on them at that time. And Rashawn Evans was on the the right side of the defense, and it was his job to set the edge. And so he goes up and chips on the uh, on on the uh, the you know sort of chips on the on the tackle, and he's really just setting his edge. And the running back comes out and just lays wood to Rashawn. I mean, knocks him on his ass. And Rashawn gets up, sprints to the right, back to his post, maintaining the edge. And so he gets knocked, you know, so he's helping someone out, kind of putting pressure on the tackle, gets knocked on his ass, 
gets back up, sprints out to the left or sprints out to the right to, uh, you know, to maintain setting the edge. To make the quarterback turn around. To make yes. the quarterback turn around. The play goes the other way. He sprints all the way across the field and makes the tackle on the other side of the formation. I said, there's my mini game ball right there for that effort and his speed. And it's one thing to have speed. It's another thing to feel comfortable on the field so that you can use your speed. And so we're seeing him be able to use his speed because he's feeling comfortable. And so the fact that that he he set the edge, he set it twice, and then made the play on the other side of the field, there's my mini game ball, Rashawn Evans. Well, we do not know why we have not seen him more early. We did not see him really at all until the Georgia game just a little bit. Sure. And so I don't know why he hasn't been out there, but on that play that that you just mentioned, that was like, wow, there, there's a lot of guys on this team that can't make that play. Yeah, I saw that and I went back and – I saw it and I went back and I rewound around it. And then I watched probably, you know, a few more minutes of the ball game. And that play was still in my mind. I went back and watched it again. I mean, the game was still on. I was like, no, no, no. I've got to go back and watch that play again. And so I, I went like back in time because I was watching the game in real time. I went back in time to watch that play again because I just thought that that is the level of effort. And, you know, some of the stuff – I mean, you can coach and you can get on guys and you can ride people's ass about, you know, having an effort. But there was a little bit there where, you know, you could say, oh, that was a great effort to get back up and go set the edge. And you could say that was a good effort. But then to sprint across the field and make the tackle, I mean, that that is that is an upper-tier tier effort. That is an upper-tier talent. It is. And, you know, when they, when they watch the film, right, I mean – for whatever reason, oh, yeah. he hasn't played much until this point. That play right there is going to get him on the field more. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, I knew you were going to steal my mini game ball uh, because I, I was going to give it to my boy Rashawn because you know I, I've been ready to 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 see him come out and 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 spend some time with Tim Williams. Um, and so I'm I'm going to go ahead and and uh, and and throw you out. You can double it up if you've. No, 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 no. I'm I'm. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go out and, you know, I, I mentioned some love to some other players. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to say that as far as the defense goes, you know, I've, I've touched on several names. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, you know, I, I just like how this – I'll say this. I'll spend my mini game ball uh, time on the podcast saying I think we have established an identity on third and long to get off the field. Sure. I like the chess pieces that we have aligned. I like the I like who we're now putting in on third and long to get off the field. And I like how Todd Blackledge at the end of the game said that we were just slowly sucking the life out of Arkansas. Yes. Yes. That too. was awesome. All right, so tell me about uh, special teams, man. Do you want to talk about the missed field goal? You want to talk about your boy getting his punting average up? Uh, what, what you want to talk about on special teams? Well, you know, the bad and the good with the kicking, right? Um, you know, JK let loose uh, a couple of times. Uh, that was good to see, you know, so I'll kind of, I'll kind of start there and you can take us where you want to go next. But 
uh, I was very pleased with uh, uh, with with him kicking the ball. You know, they did, you know, just barely, barely uh, get uh, get a hand on the uh, the kick um, or the ball. You know, to yeah, prevent it was the right. Uh, it was the right call, unfortunately. It, it, it yeah. was, but but there was <laughs> there was a part of me. He is like a gazelle. He's he's got these the just the longest legs, and and uh, and it's like man, you go after him, and there's a lot of leg there, and and for, fortunately he was just able to sort of fold up like a chair and and not get hurt. But uh, <laughs> that was the thing as I watched it, I was like, man, that's a lot of leg in there. I I don't want him to to land the wrong way or anything. But uh, he came out of that all right. That to me that was the most important thing. Yeah, I was I was definitely a little bit worried uh, on that play that you know that he was going to get hurt. Um, that was that was definitely a concern of mine. Uh, I knew you couldn't I, I knew you couldn't say anything about kickoffs. They only kicked the ball off twice. Uh, once they kicked it to the eleven, and once they kicked it to the six. Um, so I knew you'd be good there. I do want to point out, you know, uh, on the show that um, I think Damian Harris has found a role as a good decision maker who is not going to fumble the ball on kickoffs. I think we have successfully uh, found a combination back there. I mean, I don't know if you noticed it, but at one point we had Mulaney and Damian Harris back there. Yep. And, you know, g- give me your quick thoughts on that. That's that's not who we started the, the season with on, on kickoff returns. There, there definitely has been some changes. Yeah, there absolutely have. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think part of it is, you know, Mulaney's going to make good decisions. And, uh, and and so that's the part of it. I think uh, another part is, you know, Damon Harris uh, has some athleticism. And, you know, we need an opportunity to get him on the field and get him, uh, you know, some touches, if you will. And so, you know, that's what we did there. I think the Ole Miss game, I mean, you know, it'll be a long time before I get over. I don't know that I ever get over the fact that, you know, two balls that should have, you know, again, if we didn't have a kickoff returner, we would have won that game. That's that's how poor the decisions that we, that we made were. And so and, – and what's ironic is those are two of my favorite players, you know, Drake and, and Ardarius. And so I think they are just super talented. I want to see the ball in their hands, but not on kickoffs. They've, they've broken me of that, uh, not on kickoffs. And so – um, let's get them the ball in other ways. I do not want to see them back there. And so if we've got Damien and Mulaney, then I'm good with that. Well, I find it interesting that Kenyon Drake and Cyrus, right, were, were the starters in, at this, in the Wisconsin game, and we tried to sprinkle in the Chris Black. But our Darius Stewart did not have a stat on kickoff returns until that Ole Miss game. Right. And so it's interesting that we started with Kenyon and Cyrus. We tried Chris. We then tried our Darius. And it, I guess I want to bring this up because the Damien thing's a new phenomenon, right? We we just went to this Damien thing. Yeah. And I and I just mentioned it because it's another true freshman who sure. is 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 finding a role. What else you got on special teams? I just, you know, I got to mention your your other freshman safety. Um, yep. You know, we 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 don't really have a mini game ball on special teams, but you know, I I think we've got to, you know, we got to give some love to number twenty seven. Um, I I think Sean 
you know, just stayed at home. He did his job and, and made a nice play on that fake punt. Uh, Michael Nicewinder, to his credit, did a great job of setting the edge on the left side because, you know, on the right edge, I guess, for the offense uh, because he's the one that brought him back to Sean. Um, once again, another true freshman. We talked about Ronnie. We talked about Sean. We said those are the two names we're hearing behind Eddie and um, just want to give some love to, to Sean and Michael on that fake punt. Yeah, and those are the two guys, right? I think that uh, I think you got to give them both uh, so, some props on that. You know, uh, I, you know, Skarbinski. I think he wrote, you know, probably half a dozen articles, and 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 I guess what what harped on, on him because he, you know, it chapped his ass a little bit because every article that he wrote, he mentioned Belima making, uh, you know, Brett Belima making bad uh, decisions on the punt, and and I wonder if he just wasn't paying attention because, you know. They punted on uh, fourth and one, but we were in a punt safe. And so you think, well, if we're just going to go for it, then let's just go for it. But if we're going to fake a punt, I don't want to run my less athletic punter against their starting defense. And so probably that's the right call. And then on fourth and five, uh, they run the fake because we had the, the, the return on rather than a punt safe. And so – I don't know that it was as bad of a decision to do that as 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 Skarbinski wants to wants to say. I just don't know if he wasn't paying attention to kind of the the plot line, but um, you know the the way Nicewander uh, you know set the edge and Becker came in there and, and and Burgess Becker came in there and just kind of cleaned it up. That was fun to see, and like you said, another true freshman. So that was uh, I really enjoyed seeing that. I think that was that was. You know, there were, and you know, there's a lot of things you can laugh about on DuBose. And one of the things that he said that, you know, at the time we probably thought it was funny, but it's so, it, it just year after year, game after game, time after time, it sort of bears itself out. You know, a game, you know, a game or most games are going to hinge on about five plays. And yes. this was one of the, this is one of the plays. You, you can take the big touchdown down the field and you can take this one and, and Eddie you know, Jackson's play, yep. Eddie Jackson's play, and so you know you can come up with uh, just a, a very small handful of plays that had a significant impact impact on the on on the outcome of the game, and and this is one of those plays, and and that's two guys, you know, I got a kick out of, you know, that's a senior walk on and a true freshman making that play, that's pretty cool. No, it absolutely is, and 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 I and I got to go back real quick. I, I know we're running long here, but I'm gonna go real back to defense real quick and, and go to that um, that you know that that play where they ended up taking the the delay of game and punting the ball. You know, as that was happening and all the defensive line was clapping, man, that was just a play where they said, "Man on oh man, we don't think we can get a yard on y'all," and 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 they sat there, David. And they they motioned four or five different guys to try to get our guys to jump off sides, and, and we wouldn't do it. And so I just thought that was awesome that um, that our guys showed the discipline to stay down in their dirt and and not move. And um, that was clearly Arkansas saying, "Uncle, we're not man enough to get this yard here." I just thought it was awesome. Yeah, and that was good, right? And it, and it looked like synchronized swimming or something some of some of the movement that they did was uh you know obviously it's orchestrated right because it's it's a it's a call but you know they 
they would mirror movement on both sides of the ball. And uh, they were just trying to get, you know, they were just really trying uh, hard to get us to move. And so, yeah, you know, that could be a, you know, that could be one of the sort of key, key plays as well. Uh, if, had they been able to draw us off, then, then maybe the game, you know, maybe something else happens in the game. And I've, and I've used this analogy before. Or David, had they real quick, had they felt they could have got the yard, right? Sure. Oh yeah. It is only a yard. That, yeah. That even, yeah. That even almost the 45 yard line. You know, they, this, they're going to line up there. And, and at first I thought that um, at first I thought they were going to line up and, and sort of do two things on one play. I thought they were going to try to get us to jump. Then they were going to run a play. And I thought, well, that would be actually really clever because you never see that. You never see that. And if you have a real physical line, you could say, look, we're, you know, you could tell your lineman, we're going to do all this song and dance and we're going to try to get them to jump. But it's hat on hat. You need to knock somebody down. And so that struck me as that is a Brett Bolima play. And then they didn't do it. And so, you know, it goes back to them you know, them not feeling that they could, they could gain a yard and that's material in a game like this. Right. And, and so this is kind of the dumb analogy that I use. It's, it's like movies, right? You know, you can take a uh, sort of an indie drama movie and, you know, a single like two shot pistol is sort of the whole plot line revolves around that little pop gun. And you can take a Schwarzenegger movie where a little handgun is a joke right? Because everything is howitzers and, and, you know, M60s and, and stuff like that. And, and sort of the big, the big power gun guns. And this was a, I don't want to call it a pop gun because it was a pop gun offense, but this was a low scoring tight game and any touchdown, any touchdown could have, could have pivoted the game. And, you know, you look at that and you say, I don't know if they had gotten a yard, who knows? Right. And so, well, because, because that's kind of the nature of the game, you know, into the into the third quarter. Well, it was a very it was a very tight game. And at that point, what I think is huge is Arkansas is ahead seven to three. Okay. And what's so huge about that play, David, is they're at the 46 yard line of ours. I'm sorry, I said it wrong a minute ago. It was fourth and one. And our 46, and you're up seven to three on the road at Alabama. You don't go for it. You punt it. And then what do we do the very next play? It was the 81 yarder to Calvin Ridley. The very first play call is our 81 yarder to Calvin Ridley at our 19 yard line right after that play. Yeah. So don't you think don't you think they didn't come out and say, guys, we got them. We just saw the white in their eyes. Yes. Let's go take it. Because think about this, right? Think about think about what you're saying when when you quote those field positions. They were at the they were at our they were at the Alabama 47. Our first play was an 81 yard play. So that means we got the ball at the 19. Correct. Okay. So. I mean, I'm not going to say that 30 yards or, you know, and it's 28 yards, right? You know, 29 yards. I'm not going to say that that's not significant, but it's fourth and one. Yes. I'm not getting full value out of a punt here. I'm not going to get full value out of a punt. Um, 
So maybe I do. And, 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 you know, I'm known as a running back running game head coach. I've got the biggest line in college football. I'm going to punt. So your analogy, you know, we saw the whites of their eyes. We saw their spirit break in, in that play call right there. I think that's a good call. That's an insightful, that's an insightful observation. I didn't think about it at the time, but, but, uh, that, that is what we saw there. And so we came out um, when they were maybe feeling some dejection and we twisted the knife. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Well, hey, tell me, give me, give me some Texas A&M stuff. So tell me, tell me what you think uh, looks like here, you know, as we go down to Cal Field. Does, uh, I'm going to, one more thing on special teams. Does Adam, does Adam Griffith keep the job? Man, um, I don't know that you don't at least. Um, you know, he he's been through a lot of adversity in his life. Um, I don't know if you least don't let J.K. Scott take a couple. I think maybe J.K. on the kickoffs. I don't know that I do a field goal with with J.K. Um, and and Adam actually has been doing pretty well on, on the on on the kickoffs. So I don't know that. I don't know that I do that. It's almost a, it's almost, you know, like a Mexican standoff type question because, you know, Gunnar Rayborn, the the backup kicker, got a DUI not long ago, and we've seen, you know, that's not a that's not a quick doghouse to get out of, and so I, I don't know, you know, and and of course, you know, you have to kind of like Adam just because of his backstory, and and you know, coach coach says and and practice observers, you know, will comment that, you know, physically he's got it physically he's there that this is all between the ears and you think man if he you know you don't want to you don't want to do more damage but you don't want to lose a game and you think man if he can get it straight then he could be a, a significant asset to the team and so you mix all that together and you know i want to say i don't know what you do but i think you keep them that's what i think we do I'm with you. I just don't know that you you don't, you know, give I don't know that you don't try to shake him up a little bit by at least maybe giving somebody else a, an opportunity to to maybe, you know, take one. Yeah. Uh and maybe that's JK Scott as opposed to to Gunner for that reason. Um well tell me about Texas A&M. You know, they're they're 5 and 0. They they had their bye before us as most teams get to do. You know, but they 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 faced the Ball State, they faced a Nevada, they faced this Arkansas team at Arkansas and was only able to win by seven and really should have lost that game. Um, what 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 do you think? Is is this a paper tiger? Is this really a five and oh is this a team to be getting the pub that is it is it, we don't is, is this a team is this this isn't the same Texas A and M type of team we faced in years past, I don't think. No, it's not. Now, I really do like their quarterback. I think they've got uh, some good play out of the quarterback. They've got a good wide receiver. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think they've got, you know, kind of like what they've had. They don't have a mobile quarterback, you know, the Manziel that just, man, he gave us fits. Um, I don't I don't think they're, you know, kind of when they're at their heyday of, of, of being that good. Uh, I don't think they're that good, but I think they I think they are good. I do like their coach. Uh, I think they're going to be a well-coached ball team. I think they are going to be 
uh, aggressive down the field. <clears throat> I I think that this Alabama team, and we have two data points. Uh, you know, playing at, playing on the road <clears throat> in Dallas against Wisconsin. You know, it would be a mighty stretch to call that a hostile territory. Uh, but uh, Georgia definitely was hostile territory, and um, and we saw how the team kind of reacted. I think you know the team had a little bit of a gut check, uh, if you will, against Arkansas. I think going on the road, I think there's something about, and I'm not going to be able to put my finger. This is going to be one of those just intangible things that I'm either going to sound like I know what I'm talking about, or I'm going to sound nuts. But I, there's something in the personality of this team that they're going to strive on the adversity of being on the road in a hostile, hostile environment. And I, I think we're going to perform pretty well. The, the front line, I think, is going to get after the quarterback, not a mobile quarterback. And the back half of the defense is just, I mean, you know, we called it. They're going to get visibly better every week, and that's what we're seeing. And I think this is going to be a team where the defense is going to be excited to get to show some of the skills that they have. I mean, you know, okay, Georgia, a limited quarterback, running team, Arkansas, limited quarterback, running team. All right. I think there's some excitement on this defense to show what they've got, to show what they've really got against a quarterback who can throw the ball. Well, I, I agree with you, and I and I think the Rashawn Evans, Tim Williams, Ronnie Harrison thing. I'm glad we've gotten this kind of buttoned down um, because you know very different look than a Georgia with you know four starting wide receivers and they're starting eleven. Um, this is I, I'm glad we have faced some wide open attacks up until now. Uh, I think it's helped Minka. I think it's helped Marlon. Um, I mean, let's face it, in their in their starting four wide receivers. Uh, they've got 75 catches between the four of them. So, you know, two of those guys accounted for 50 of those with seven touchdowns. So they got two guys that, that definitely are their strongest ones in, in Josh uh, Reynolds and Christian Kirk. Um, but I think this is going to be a good test for the, for the back secondary. And um, I at least like, I at least like facing Cal Allen with, the 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 recent changes that we've made on third and long, I think it is gonna. I think Cal Allen. I think Cal Allen is gonna be pushed off of his throwing point, right? To use yep. the, uh, the the football analogy, and he's not gonna be able. I think we're gonna get him uncomfortable quickly. Yeah. What kind of what do you, what, what, Yeah, I started to say, man. I as far as the score goes. You know, I, I think this is going to be something of the neighborhood of, you know, I'm, I'm going to say something like a, a 42 to 13 oh, wow. Alabama. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be close. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to hope that you're right. I was going to say like 34-17, maybe a 34-13 kind of game. Uh, I think our offense puts it together in a way that, you know, again, I think it's just fine-tuning the cylinder here and there. Uh, I think the offense puts it together a little bit better. I think uh, the, the defense has some fun. Uh, and they're going to get plays, you know, they're going to make plays, and they're going to score some points. But uh, – uh, and, and they'll get theirs honest like Arkansas did not. 
Uh, but um, but I, I think I think the defense will will sort of prevail, and um, that, that's kind of where I see it. But uh, well, to your to your point, the last two times we played at Texas A&M, they scored 38 points in 11, and they scored 42 points two years ago. So I, I hope I'm right on my prediction because they they definitely have been able to put the points on the board. But I just look at who they've played this year, and I just I don't see the same team. Yep. Hey, I just I, hey I want to do two things, um, and we talked about this a little bit, sort of as as we were getting started. I I, I want to take it away from the the podcast from you know Alabama for a minute, and just uh, and two quick things. As like literally as we were uh, about to kind of flip the switch and, and record, uh, I saw something come across where Steve Spurrier has announced that uh, that he's going to retire at the end and at the end of the season. And I just want to give hats off to the old or you know visors off uh, to the old ball coach. You know I've kind of got I guess my two little Spurrier nuggets, but I remember and you know I'll date myself a little bit, but uh, you know back when uh, you know back when I was in high school, he was having his success at Duke. And uh, and I remember uh, I, I remember talking to a church deacon saying, ah, oh, that's Steve Spurrier. He's going to be great. And, uh, you know, he was an older man. And and he said, it's too early. It's too early to call him great. Uh, he's he, he's good. But, you know, it's going to take some years before we find out that he's great. And uh, I wish I could somehow go find that that deacon and, and, and look him up and say, hey, you know, Steve Spurrier turned out to be great. And uh, and so, uh, I, you know. But my, I guess my adult, my adult life, he has been a coach, and so, you know, I guess that's kind of the passing of time. I think he's he's approaching seventy or or over seventy, and so, it, you know, we knew it was coming, but you know, it was just one of those things. And and then I remember, and and you and I, uh, you know, you and I spent a lot of time talking about it, but you know, back in, yeah, nineteen ninety eight, uh, uh, Alabama played Florida in the SEC championship game, and that was the year with uh, Sean Alexander and uh, 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 Chris Samuels, and I wasn't going to go to that game because I said, man, we beat them in the swamp. You don't beat a good team twice. I'm nervous about this high-powered Florida team, and, and you drug me to the game, and then, of course, we saw Alabama win that game, and uh, we we stood near where we could look into a box and saw the uh, press conference with Spurrier, and I think both of us gained a little bit of respect that day because he called it like it was. He said, you know, we got beat. They played better than we did. They were more prepared than we did. Their players came ready to play and, and showed up and competed, and we didn't. And that's on me for not preparing the team and all the things that he kind of says and his little quippish, a little way of talking. But you know, we, we were younger than we were than than we are now. But you know, I think we were both kind of impressed with that's a that's a head coach owning it. And uh, and and so that's my two little Spurrier thoughts. I don't know if you have anything to add or no, or man. Just, I, I, I just want to see him go. Now I remember that press conference, man. He he didn't pull punches, and uh, we we gained a lot of respect for him at that point. Yep, yep. Well, that's my deal on Spurrier. Uh, you know, he, he'll definitely be missed. I hope he gets a studio job somewhere because because uh, because he's funny, and uh, he's got the best little one-liners. And uh, you know, you can't spell citrus without UT, and and you you know you always want to play Georgia early because you can count on them have a couple guys suspended. You know, those things are just are just priceless, and so. I hope that he can find uh, an outlet for uh, for his homespun wisdom uh, as he gets out of coaching. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, I you know the podcast rankings on iTunes. I just want to give a hats off, super thanks to everyone who's who's downloading us, who's listening to us, uh, who's leaving us reviews. 
we're up to 66 reviews on iTunes. Uh, if uh, if you search college football within iTunes, we've been ranked as high as number seven, which is pretty darn impressive. I think we're sitting at nine now. And so we'd really appreciate uh, if folks could go out and uh, leave us uh, some reviews. Uh, and then and when we get five-star rankings, I, we, we'd like to try to call those out when we can. And we got – now this is the guy's username, and so he's not talking about the show. His username is don't waste time on this one. And so – but that's his username. That's not what he talks about on the show. It, what he talks about on the show is simply the best. He gives us five stars, and he says, this is by far my favorite podcast. This show really stands out in the world of caller-driven talk radio that focuses on team pride and surface-level analysis. This show is for football, all caps, football fans who also happen to be Bama fans as opposed to diehard Bama fans who don't really understand the nuances of the game. And so I thought that was uh, he and he also, you know, wishes that we would spend more time talking about future opponents. And I wish we had time to do that as as well. But uh, hey, we really appreciate the sh- the shout out, and uh, we appreciate the support and rankings that we get within iTunes. And and uh, if you feel so compelled, go give us an authentic review, and uh, we'll see if we can't give you a shout out in um, in a future show. Absolutely, guys. We we know this runs long. Uh, it's because we could talk about this for twenty four hours after the game and. Uh, we we definitely appreciate y'all listening. Yeah. Hey, so with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.